following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fun hunting for your brilliant brunch Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I got into SC as a junior, yeah. and I'm you know two three years older than everybody, and I was ready. I was ready for the game. You know, right. I, I as soon as I got in there, I'm like, I know I want to start a company. I don't know what, but I created an Excel spreadsheet of all the alumni that I wanted to meet, and I'd email five to ten people a week. Um, I emailed uh, Mark Benioff, f- founder of Salesforce, just a three line email saying, Mark, I'm a you know aspiring entrepreneur. I love your story. Give me 30 minutes of your time within an hour's notice, and I'm there, and I'll call him. He responds, and I get on the phone with Mark Benioff. Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today, I'm speaking with James Shawnee. He's the CEO and founder of Madison & Vine, a boutique ad agency that's made innovative content for well-known brands like Taco Bell, Samsung, Panda Express, and for big stars, including... People like Lady Gaga. James is—he's uh, not on Skype. He's looking at me across <laughs> I'm the here table. in person. So thanks for yeah, coming in. No problem. Thanks for having me. What is the bread and butter of the agency? Tell me. Tell me that. Um, so maybe I don't know if we have to redo this, but I—I I would call it a studio. Um, no, we don't have to redo it. Yeah, call it a studio. Yeah. Okay. Call it, I, what is call, the bread and butter of the studio? Yeah, we call it a studio. The the genesis and the idea of the company. I, I went to USC. Okay. Uh, studied marketing and film, and uh, the two of those kind of uh, disciplines coming together in 2010, 2011, uh, with the rise of mobile and video, and the decline and demise of television. Um, kind of spurred an idea that the the ad industry needed to change, and that um, the ad, ad industry being you know hundreds of years old, but over the last 15, 60 years, mm-hmm. they were built off of um, an infrastructure and an organization that was made to create things like print, radio, and TV ads, and um, there were certain roles and disciplines. You know that like creative directors or art directors or copywriters that made those things, and in a different world, in a social platform uh, era, why hasn't that construct changed? Right? Like if you if you if you if you manufactured uh, a totally different product, you'd have a totally different team. And I, and I just yeah. I felt like um, those ad agencies, um, which still exist today, weren't evolving uh, quickly enough. And so I said, brands need studios. Um, they need content first. Uh, studios and what I did was um, brought in filmmakers who uh, were emerging and that you know were graduating college essentially that didn't have jobs mm-hmm. because filmmaking is is a discipline unlike any other that you go to school for where you graduate after spending you know at USC two hundred thousand dollars yeah. four years and you're shit out of luck you, there's literally no job for you <laughs> you know if you're in computer science you study for four years you can go to Google or Facebook if right you're in finance you go to a big four bank if you're a filmmaker you, you literally have no job and sometimes people don't need training for it. I yeah, mean, and, right? and the, yeah, no. We, I was, um, you know, my first, the first spot we made was, um, and I intentionally did this. We made it for five hundred bucks, um, and it was on spec. I, I wanted to launch the company. And this is the Tesla. Yeah, yeah. this is the Tesla. So spot. I thought you made that for fifteen hundred bucks. I said it for fifteen hundred because I didn't want to get, you know, 
I don't want to get flack for from the ad industry, which I did anyways, for saying that I made for five hundred. That's hilarious. But it was actually for five hundred. We made for five hundred bucks, and that, that it was, was like a friends. It was that, that was the cost. It's of an fuel amazing commercial. And the cost we should of the say. hotel to to get to San Francisco. I that, wish we could play that now. It wouldn't make any sense to play Tesla it now Tesla Modern Spaceship. Google it. Tesla, uh, yeah, it's Tesla Modern Spaceship. It really is it, no, unbelievable. So, and I don't know if you know this, but we made that spot on spec, and I did it because. As an entrepreneur, uh, when you want to do something, so you're, what year are you at USC when you make that? I am a senior. I'm a senior okay. in college. I'm Canadian, so that means your fourth year, I'm right? For, my fourth okay, year yeah, in yeah, college. Yeah. Uh, and I want to launch this company, and I'm like, okay, to launch it, we got to prove ourselves. Yeah. So let's go make a spec. So my friend's dad owned a Tesla. Uh, a, a director friend of mine sat down. We, we, he made the script, and I was like, "Let's just go shoot." this Was thing. the actor your friend's dad? That had no. Yeah, he, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. a very good look. He looked like an actor. He was an actor. Yeah, yeah he, that my, was the guy who had the Tesla who comes in at the end. Yeah, so that's his son. The kid is his real son, who's an actor who ended up getting a role in Jumanji, like a year and a half later. Yeah, uh, not to give the credit to the spot, but he was he was pr- yeah. But the man is very good too, because he when he he I'm, smiles. I'm kind of it's okay to spoil the yeah, ad a little bit. Yeah. The reveal is the garage, which yeah. is brilliant. And then he's got like that that incredible dimple, dimple. and he goes <laughs> – and he puts the thing over his head and they fist bump and they go into the yep, space. they go into space. No wonder Elon Musk um, – He called me. So he called me on my cell phone. He called you? Yeah, he called me on my cell phone. I don't know how he got my number. Come on. He calls me. He calls me and he says, are you James Shawnee? Did you make – are you the one who made the spot? And I was like, yeah, me and my friends made it. I guess if I'm like not surprised you can make the Hyperloop, I shouldn't he, be that surprised he, that he, he can find my, get your he phone, found my phone number. Yeah. And uh, he says, I want, you, I want to meet with you guys. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like – so he connects me to the assistant. Two months later, we're you know in Hawthorne in front of his office, sitting in front of him. He, he's you know six five. He's a lot bigger than you'd think. Yeah. Um, and he, we sat down. And he's like, I hate ads. I've never made an ad. Tesla will never work with an advertising agency. But like, how the hell did you guys make this? And what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah. And I was like, I read your autobiography, and I and I felt like I understood, you know, what you were building and why you were building it, and decided to tell that story. And so he's like, We're going to be working with you guys. Um, so we got connected to SpaceX and some of his, uh, his his head of marketing and started to do work there. But that was the launch of the company. That mm-hmm. was where I was like, okay, we have something here. So uh, when we graduated, I ended up bringing about 12 filmmakers um, and, and gave them, you know, I, what I told the filmmakers was, I was like, look, guys, I don't know what this company is going to turn into, but all I know is I can pay for your rent and your food, which is all the filmmaker really wants at that point, right? And the, knowing that they can do what they love. It's, it's kind of like a writer or a journalist. Right. Um, so that was the genesis of the company. And Did you? How many ads have you made for Tesla since then, or with with we've Elon made, Musk? With Elon, we made uh, two SpaceX spots. Um, didn't we? We tried to do one more for Tesla, but we ended up canning it because, uh, unfortunately, one of the cars it was one of his bad PR days. Let's just say that. Uh, well, what happened? One of his cars on uh, on the highway, like one of the batteries underneath the car, got on fire, and it was you know disastrous because everybody takes that and they say oh, you okay. know Teslas are you know dangerous, which is totally not true. Um, the, the safest cars on the planet. But anyways. You know what's funny about Tesla? I, ha- I had an experience with them as well. I was trying to e- interview Elon Musk for this PBS show. Yeah. And there's like no way that he's going to do it. <laughs> but we ask. Yeah. You know, you ask. Yeah, and they gave us a Tesla. I was – this was five, six years ago. I was doing this for free? satirical show for PBS and we were going to say we needed to interview Elon. We actually had Travis Kalanick. We were interviewing him. Yeah. And they just – our intern, uh, they said, why don't you said, we'll just give you the Tesla for the day. But this was at a day, this was six years ago where you would never see a Tesla. Right, right. And they just were cool handing it out to us. Right. And we it's like the original this... red color or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're driving around San Francisco. And stuff. Oh, so they're kind of groovy in the, in the, in their 
they know what he knows what he's doing. I mean, yeah. he, I think he's always said like, I'm going to make a great freaking product and it's going to sell itself. And it has. So where, who, who did you work with next? And when you graduated, uh, how big was the company? Like, what was the growth like of the company? Yeah. I, um, of the studio, I, well, there's a whole backstory to me, my personal journey, but, um, well, let's get into that. Where were you? Yeah. Um, I, were you like as a kid, I, uh, I'm first generation, so my my parents are from Iran. Uh, they came here in the late '70s after uh, the Shah, yep. and, and after that, so they they came here. My dad is 20 years older than my mom. There's a whole backstory there, uh, but they, you know, he he came here on an engineering scholarship. So the U.S. had mm-hmm. some kind of partnership with Iran. He worked in an oil refinery, so they brought him out here. Came with my mom. My mom was 22 at the time. Didn't speak a lick of English. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my dad ended up dropping out of college. And then he had a whole path, uh, an unfortunate path, where he got into alcohol and gambling and kind of started to piss his life away, so to speak. And when I was nine, my parents got divorced. So I have two younger brothers. So it's my mom who doesn't speak any English. She's like, I've had enough. Um, leaves my dad. We I grew up in Reseda. It's a small city okay, in the valley. yeah. And we lived in a, we were poor man. We lived in a we lived in a studio apartment. The four of us. Mm-hmm. My mom worked a graveyard shift as a nurse uh, from ten o'clock to seven in the morning. Then come pick me up, pick, take us to school. Slept for three hours, you know. Then pick us up from school. And she just always had a great attitude about it, though. Well, she clearly learned the language and became a and, nurse. Yeah, she be, yeah she's yeah. she's uh, she's still a nurse. She's been a nurse for eighteen years. And and she's it's funny that uh, she just got. So cute. This last year, she got like the Nurse of the Year award at the hospital because yeah. all of her patients wrote her like these amazing letters. But I grew up with, yeah, it was just me, my brothers, and my mom. And we were, you know, as the oldest, I was always running around, kind of causing trouble, uh, trying to figure, make sense of the world right. without, um, I guess, you know, uh, you know, figures in life that I, that I think are supposed to really do that for you, which I'm so thankful for now. But so I grew up in that environment. Right. I, I was always very curious and, and pretty smart, but didn't apply myself in school. So I graduated high school with a 2.3 GPA. And we'll be right back after this quick break. The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by LifeLock. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and you need to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code Forbes for 10% off. Does that get you in the USA? So, uh, yeah. which is so, I'm glad you asked. So yeah. I graduated with a two three. At the, uh, we honestly, he's Canadian. We don't do GPA. I know, I know, it's, I know, it's not good. It's a, yeah, it's not good. Uh, yeah. it, it, so you graduate two three. My mom's making, you know, at that point, like relatively decent money. Where we're yeah. not on the poverty line. Where right. I'm not qualified for financial aid, oh, which is yeah. the worst part it's to be in, right? Yeah. It's that gray area. So. All right, what do I do? Do I go to college? Do I not? I'm like, what? No, I'm going to just start working. So I worked at uh, Nordstrom in the women's shoe department at 19. And I'm killing it. I'm the number one salesman yeah. after three months. Killing it. Um, and I'm making, you know, 30, 40 grand a year. And then I really got into books for the first time in my life, which mm-hmm. sounds really weird to say. But um, you're I, working at the mall. I'm working at the mall. So I'm going to Barnes & Noble on the weekends and staying there for four or five hours a day. And I uh, I, I read a couple of books that kind of, I would say, changed the course of my life. Um, what were the Napoleon books? Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, I'm a huge... Uh, how shelf- to make fl- friends and influence people. <laughs> Dale Carnegie, How to make friends and influence <laughs> yeah. people. It, look, it's, 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 it's funny yeah. to say those things, but I think you ask any entrepreneur yeah. or CEO that, they, they reference those types you of books. You realize there's another... 
game. There's another world out there that you can tap into. So that's what it was. It opened up my mind. It opened up my world. And I, when I read a couple of those books, I was like, I'm going to get my shit together and I'm going to go to college. So I went to Moore Park College, uh, which is a community college here in LA, yeah. for a year and a half. Studied for the first time ever. Did and well. I got a 4.0. Uh, USC, uh, credit to them. They take your high school transcripts combined with your college transcripts as an average. So I still yeah. averaged like yeah. a 3.2. The average to get in was a 3.6, but I wrote the craziest admission essays and I got in. And uh, to this day, I was just telling a friend of mine, like, I want to go and meet the person who admitted me because I'm like, what did you see? Uh, credit to you. I'm doing pretty well. But um, I got into SC as a junior yeah. and I'm, you know, two, three years older than everybody. And I was ready. I was ready for the game. You know, right. I, I as soon as I got in there, I'm like, I know I want to start a company. I don't know what, but um, I created an Excel spreadsheet of all the alumni that I wanted to meet, and I'd email five to ten people a week. Um, I emailed uh, Mark Benioff, f- founder of Salesforce, yeah. just a three line email saying, Mark, I'm a you know aspiring entrepreneur. I love your story. Give me thirty minutes of your time within an hour's notice, and I'm there, and I'll call. And he responds, and I get on the phone with Mark Benioff. Uh, really? Whoa! A cold call. Salesforce, cold. the multi-billion-dollar company. You cold email I, Mark Benioff. Cold, cold. I have emails. I still look at those emails. Um, the best email was. What did he say? He said. Uh, yeah, he's like. Uh, he responds and he says, uh, you know, I'll have my assistant schedule time in the next coming months. I'm like, totally fine. Let me know. He rescheduled a couple of time. I've stayed persistent. Um, I end up going through two of his assistants because he ended up he, he ended up rescheduling so many times that he hires another assistant, and I'm yeah. still there. I'm like, what was Mark. the call like? It was great. He uh, he had just uh, wrote a book called Behind the Cloud. It's yeah. like his only book. and I think it's his only book. And he's like – he jumps on the call. He's like, hey, James, great to meet you. Uh, what are the questions you have? And I was like, uh, well, I was, I was – you know, I'm thinking about starting a company. I don't really know exactly what – like which area I'm passionate about. I'm a passionate about film. I'm a passionate about technology. I love all. And he's like, read my book. If you have any other questions, then we'll schedule another call. So I read his book and, um, and I tell other entrepreneurs this or young kids this all the time. But I had specific questions about his book. I was like, I see right. that you started your company. So I asked him specific questions, and he, you know, we, we developed a little bit of a relationship. The funniest story is with Steve Ballmer. So I emailed Steve Ballmer, okay. which was, he was currently still the CEO of Microsoft. And I sent him the same email. He's like, James, I loved your email. appreciate the hustle, but I don't have time for you. I was like, yeah, I, I respect that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I, so I was, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of friends still at You USC. don't ask, you don't get. You don't ask, you don't get. You know, I, I went into USC with, with real intentions of knowing what I wanted to do and figuring it out. And, um, you know, I took a class, and this this will kind of go into you know what I did after yeah. college. I took a class, uh, t- I, so I I, mean, I, mean, I emailed this guy named Diego, Diego Burdekin, who's who's a close friend of mine now, who's an entrepreneur, started uh, Beachmints, uh, was was an exec at uh, Fox for a while, but he was an entrepreneur, well known. I email him, and I'm like, Diego, I'd love to have thirty minutes of your time. Give me an hour's notice. You live in yeah. LA. I'll meet you anywhere. He's like, happy to meet with you, but I'm going to teach an entrepreneur class at SC in the fall if you want if you want to join. I was like, sure, I'll join the class. So I, I get into his class. It's about 30 people. And the whole class, it's, it's my favorite class that, that's ever been taught, that I was ever at USC. Um, the entire class was, was kind of like conversations like this. He'd bring in a new entrepreneur every week. He brought in Evan Spiegel. He brought in Travis. He right. brought in Jim Wyatt, the XC of, of Endeavor. He brought in just, just a, he brought in a guy named Troy Carter, um, who's a, a music manager and, and a, kind of like a tech media mogul. So he brings in Troy. And at the time, I was making music videos with, with these directors. And he's like, James... Diego was like, uh, you should show Troy the work that you've done. So we had just made a music video for John Legend, and, and uh, we show him the music video, and Troy's like, holy cow, you guys made this video? How much did you make it for? And I was like, we made it for 1000 bucks." He's like, right. that's insane. 
uh, I manage John Legend, and the label hasn't even told me who's making it. Like, I need you to come to my office. And this is he was managing Lady Gaga at the time, managing right. a bunch of great artists. So we go to his office, and back to you don't ask, you don't get. Instead of just going there and, and telling my story, I went in with Diego's help, and I put together a pitch, and I said, I want to do a joint venture with you. I was like, I have all this great talent. I want to make uh, music content. I want to build a studio, and this is right. what it's going to look like. And I was like, there's an untapped talent. So I do this presentation, and within 10 minutes, he's like, let's do it. And um, so I, for- I formed a joint venture with Troy Carter after my last – I have three months of school left. So we're working out of his offices. And after about a year, I grew the company to 20 people. We did like $4 million in revenue. Um, and we were like – we were doing inc- – that's where I met uh, Lady Gaga and, and her current manager – and th- and then my mind is expanding even more, right. and you know I want to do bigger and better things, and um and then you know we had a we didn't have a, we, we we decided to go our separate ways. He's now doing he's at at, at Spotify in, in a really great role, but I wanted to build my own company. This is Troy. This is that? Troy. Okay. Yeah. So we we went our separate ways, and um that's where I had the idea of Madison and Vine. Was there a struggle with the two of you? It wasn't the two of us. It was I had a partner in college, one of the directors. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, he was a director and a filmmaker and wanted to pursue making art, and I wanted to pursue building a business. So and you outgrew the relationship. I outgrew the relationship. Yeah. Which um, is normal, right? Because you were 20, 22. Yeah, yeah. This good bound to happen. And we were kind of like – And art and co- commerce. Art, there's that side of it, and we were co-CEOs, and – I, and I say this to people all the time. When you have two clocks, nobody knows the time. Yeah. When you have one, everyone does. And so I was like, I want to be the clock. You know, I want to, I want to dictate the future. And, and, right. Um, my own future, at least. And so, yeah. So I started Madison and Vine. And the idea was to create uh, a real, like, next generation studio. You know, like, what does Sony or Warner Brothers look like if you were going to start with those types of companies in 2016, 2017? Right. So that's, that's the path we're on. We're, we're, we're creating a house of brands. And so right now the brand studio where we've done work, like you said, with Taco Bell and Samsung and Pepsi and Gatorade, a lot of great like entertaining work for them is, is one piece of it. We're, we're launching a whole music production studio in itself. Um, we're we're going to be launching a TV and film division soon. And then we're going to eventually hopefully acquire like media outlets as well to build and distribution into it. Um, but really it's at the center of all this stuff, it's talent. It's It's this creative and director and filmmaker talent that – I think is unfortunately really undervalued and, and underutilized. There's so many talented people out there that, and again, in in a in a video rich and content rich world, uh, I think they need to have a home. So that's what we're building. What is it that distinguishes your company from the agencies mm-hmm. where even the word agency might give you the chills? Yeah. Again, it, to me, it, it just goes back to um, agency being. Built there, there's there's always I, there's always going to be a place for agencies, right? Like if I'm launching a brand, I need if I'm launching a kombucha brand, I'm, I need creative thinking that helps define the positioning and the brand, the logo, all that stuff. But when you talk about taking an established brand like a Gatorade and telling those stories in again like a socially driven world with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat across platforms in a singular voice, but with different outfits, so to speak. Um, I think you need a studio and you need real, real storyteller talent, right? right? And so I just, and I think agencies have slowly tried to evolve into that, but uh, 
not good enough. And we'll be right back after this quick break. With the recent credit bureau breach, one of the common questions is, should I freeze my credit? Unfortunately, taking this step won't protect you against every identity fraud threat arising from this data breach. Hackers got access to social security numbers, birth dates, and an unspecified amount of driver's license numbers. They can use this type of personal information to commit crimes in your name and even steal from your 401k. Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats and will alert you if your information is being used. If there's a problem, one of their agents will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code Forbes, that's Forbes, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now. Hey humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast, right here on Podcast One, where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work. Religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery, and that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia, what does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they're okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Watch our 360 virtual reality videos on the Podcast One app and download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots. A great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stocking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers. Let's talk about some of the the brands that you've worked with. Tiffany. Yeah. Tiffany Company. Samsung, Land Rover, Taco Bell, Pepsi, Gatorade. Now, you did a scripted web series for Taco Bell. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we've done What did that look like? So, um, I mean, honestly, a lot of credit to them. They, I think they're probably one of the... F- one of the few brands that has really figured out how to show up in social, you know. I'm just uh, picturing a script where, where, like, the characters are getting they're, high they're, and then they're, they're just eating Taco they're Bell. They're actually but hilarious. That, that's a very quick uh, – <laughs> I'm, no, I'm not doing it any They're justice. funny. They wanted, to, they wanted to create entertainment and they wanted to, to have uh, a position in YouTube. And they said, look, there are all these fan stories that get submitted to us. Yeah. They're real stories. There's, you know, one story about uh, a husband who's, you know, you know, his wife is pregnant with her second child and – his wife's craving Taco Bell every night. Like, yeah. that's just her craving. And so every night he's out getting Taco Bell. One day he's riding his bike to the nearby Taco Bell, right. and he gets hit by a car. And he falls over. He's got the food in his hand. But his food is all right. He comes back, and his wife is like, what the heck? He's like, you know, disheveled, and, and he's a mess. She's like, what the heck happened to you? He's like, I got hit by a car, but I got your food. And it's we take that nugget of an idea, and we – that's uh, we, funny. We take a, yeah. we have a writer and, and a director who does TV, and, and we developed uh, a really successful series. So we did two seasons of that. Okay, we're now doing. So people want to see that. They go to 
they go to YouTube, go to Taco Bell's YouTube page, and you'll see Taco Tales there. Okay. Um, it's it's done. Like they're, they're, I think there's a half a million. Filmmakers must love this too, because they know that it's like, look, I've got to get my chops somehow. Taco Bell is going to be nail, for you this. hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah, for for a filmmaker, Ben Plummer, the director, who's you know. 20-something years old. Got a couple scripts in the drawer. Oh, he's doing stuff for like full screen now. and doing, He's yeah. doing TV projects, yeah. you know? And uh, and then there's the actors and the talent that's on screen. Yeah. It's fun, man. Do you do union shoots? Like yeah, you, yeah. You, you, yeah. So you, uh, these were non These were okay. non-union. We're, uh, we're now, you know, talking to SAG because there are, you know, certain, like a lot of the, the Lady Gaga stuff is union. So we do union work yeah. with her, of course. Um, but, yeah, we, we kind of, you got to be flexible. Right, right. Well, do you have to tell a different story for a different platform? Like if you have five social media platforms. Yeah. I, how, I, how, and how do you have to tell that story differently? So I I kind of I, – I think about it as, you know, going to different types of parties, right? Like if you and I were, went to, you know, a Christmas party. Okay. We'd, we'd dress a certain way. We'd, we'd show up a certain way. With we'd, a, dress we'd, we'd, mean, we'd dress up. Yeah. We'd dress we'd, up. We'd bring gifts, whatever. And if you went to a Halloween party, you, you, you come up showing, you know, something different. That's a good way to look and at it. And I think yeah. the platforms are like that. You know, Snapchat is very different than Facebook and Instagram. And I think uh, a lot of brands still make the mistake of – Taking you know one shoot or one project, and I, I, cre- I call it matching luggage. They just they they chop it up and they put the same stuff and they throw it out, and then they wonder why people aren't engaging right. with it. Right. But let's let's say that we're coming up with an ad for kombucha. Yeah. How are we going to tell that differently on on uh, on Instagram? Yeah. On so, Facebook. So there's so there's one overarching kind of theme or idea, right? Yeah. Let's say for kombucha, it's we want to tell the story of how. The probiotics are great for you know digestion or whatever, yeah. right? Like you take that you know vision of an idea and you say, okay, well on Snapchat, you know it's vertical video putting you know the the user behavior is people love to have cameras to their face, and so we're going to tell that story with a first person you know camera to their face right. comedian, t- you know just explaining why it's healthy and why it can be just great that way. Yeah. Whereas on YouTube, like maybe there's a long form series there. Right. Whereas on Facebook, um, maybe we use motion graphics and we tell that story through. So you take right, that idea we don't and we need sound. We're watching yeah. our phone. And I think that's that's where again Instagram. Uh, yeah. So Instagram, you have well now there's 60 seconds. You have Instagram stories. And what do you prefer uh, more, Instagram stories or a, like a, a a a meme with a text quote <laughs> or like a 59 second video? I, I think. Uh, Look, it's dependent on the strat, the distribution strategy of you know how much money does the brand have to spend on media? Are we trying to you know get earned? Are we are we paying for stuff? Mm-hmm. I, and and I think you, the other thing is like you don't have to do it all. Like if, if it's okay to say we just want to do it on YouTube, you know. Like, but does a brand come to you and say we know what we want to do? This is what we want. Or do they ever just come and say? We have no idea what we want to do. You tell us, and which do you prefer? most? Most of the times, it's. Um, most of the time, it's it's we have a brand, we have a story that we know we want to tell. Roughly, loosely, you tell us how you would bring that story to life and where you think that you know on which platforms. And which part do you enjoy the most? Um, like right now, you just have this idea of how to sell the kombucha on these three different yeah, platforms. I I love I love bringing the story to life. Like I I, I love the uh, the scripting and the the actual storytelling of it. Um, I think the strategic distribution angle is interesting. It's very important, right? Like if you create something special, like if the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, is it did it did it actually fall? You know? Yeah. Um, but I I love creating stories. I love being on set. I love seeing 
Um, I love seeing it. And what, what's great about the work that we do, right? Like I love film and TV too, but is, is you spend a month and you have all these assets and all these films and you see it onto the world, you know, really, really quickly. Like the lifespan of, of creating to sing it out into the world is, is really quick. So I, I love kind of the, the storytelling process. Who's the best compliment to the, your style of working? Is it someone who's like, Never says anything, or like an introvert, or is it like as an outgoing a, person? As a leader, or as in our as company? if you're looking for a partner? Oh, as a partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To work with, yeah. what, What's complementary? I think uh, I think that's a good question. I think we're um, unfortunately, I think the ad and the marketing space, um, a lot of brands like that trust is lost in, in a lot of ways. I think before mm-hmm. an agency or a studio, whatever you want to call, it, like they got hired because you trusted an expert to tell your story to create, you know your brand message and, and to put it on the world and that they're at the end of the day, they got to sell products. Like that's what we're that's at the end of the day, that's the business that we're yeah. into. Right. Right. It's, and some people need to do that more than others. But, um, I, I yeah, like working with people who, who know what they don't know, you know, and that know that like, hopefully, you know, we're really good at what they're doing, that they're calling us for right. a reason. So, um, and that's, that actually more than often than not, the people that we work with, um, that, that, that is the case. Like Taco Bell was, you know, they in edit in editorial and post production, they they lean on our editor to make mm. the you know the calls on what what works and what doesn't work. And if they have an opinion, then they share their opinion, and then we respect it. As the company grows, do you ever think? Are you ever worried? And 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 do you ever look back at your days at school when you came in with a yeah, really competitive price? That all now the there's going to be some twenty year old undercutting you. Uh, all yeah, I think uh, we look at the at the end of the day. I think we you don't lead with price. Um, I think we we have built a real creative voice, and there's a there's a certain quality that comes with it. But uh, at the same time, I've made sure that and you know sometimes people get frustrated with me at the company because I, I I harp this in all the time. I'm like our competitive set is not only the people that know we're coming after them, but it's the it's the it's the kids graduating school now. It's, it's I, I say this all the time, and I'm like we can't. We can't lose that. We can't lose that. And so what we do is, you know, every, every couple of weekends, uh, once or twice a month, I, I, we try to do stuff like Tesla. And I say we call it Weekend Warriors Project. So we take a brand and we say, hey, or a music video, and say, we're going to have fun with this one. We're going to go make this for 2000 bucks. Right. And let's – because there's – there's with those types of constraints, and filmmakers, like Robert Rodriguez made it for his feature for $7,000, and he talks a lot about how those constraints and, and those limitations actually – in a lot of ways, allow you to, to creatively express things that you may not be able to do. Mm-hmm. That muscle is, is, is unique. So, yeah, we, we, I'm very conscious of that. Let's talk a little bit about the culture yeah. of the company. Yeah. I used to work in a place where I'd show up every day and I'd have, you know, I had a cubicle and people would tell me about their life and it would drive me insane. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I'd be in the break. I felt like the whole time I was walking away from people telling me <laughs> about their life. So t- tell me about the compassion culture and convince me yeah. that this is the right thing. Thing, that we should be sharing everything about ourselves. So you walking away while people are t- telling you about it, I think it's literally the opposite for us. Um, I'll just say, I used to bring a salad to work, and the same woman every day would come up to me at the break room in the kitchen. She'd go, somebody's having a little salad. <laughs> what? She'd say it every day. As I took the, it was just, it would drive me nuts. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I... And this is, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I started the company was I wanted to build. Uh, I wanted to build an organization not just that created value in the marketplace, but that created yes. value for others within it. And um, and and we, th- you know, our pillars. One of our biggest pillars that leads to compassion is is growth. Um, I think if 
if you're helping and facilitating and fostering individual growth, yeah, um, not just professionally, but you know, if somebody leaves Madison and Vine three years from now, I would hope that they they look back and like, wow, like I grew so much here as a person um, because I was surrounded by really smart people, but people challenged me. Uh, so we we I, we foster that, um, but yeah, we you know we're we're a family, and I think um, we I do a couple things that. I think help lead to the compassion is where, you know, if someone, for example, we had uh, somebody who was, you know, ill, had a, not just like a, a cold, but was really sick under the weather. And, um, we helped find that person, like the right doctor and the team chime, like a couple people from the team were like, Oh, I know, you know, my friend knows this person right. who knows this person, like, let's get you in there or whatever, got him the person that he needed. And we check in and, and then we, we have, you know, bandwidth for his workload that, mm-hmm. that he feels like he's covered for. But, um, I think when few, when people feel like they're taken care of and they, they you know they, that you have their back, they they pour more of themselves into the work and, and hopefully that they feel more fulfilled at the end of the day. And you say you empower people to be vulnerable. Yes, that's that's the key. That is the key. Vulnerability. That is the key. I think. Um, and sometimes they get they get they get annoyed at me, but I think I show. I think for me as a leader. Yeah. I show up and I'm very vulnerable. I, uh, you know, my. You wear your emotion. I, on I your wear sleeve. my emotion for better or for worse. My emotions are on my sleeve, and um, I, I bring. You know, I, I think I don't. Not that I bring my personal life into work all the time, but I, you know, I, I call it work-life integration, where it's not just about balance. It's, it's your your work is a big part of is work it, is play. Work is play. I, I I hate when people say, "Thank God it's Friday." It's one of my. It's one of my. Like I can't stand that saying because. Yeah. Why are you? Well, I'm, every day is the same to me. You know, I'm 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 excited about every day, whether it's Monday or S- Saturday or Sunday. Um, and I'll you know, yes, I'm the entrepreneur and it's my company and all that. But right. I've tried to build. Um, you know, like we don't have PTO specific days. We get the work done. Like if you need time off, to, well, you don't even have regular office hours, right? Don't have it's, regular it's office a, hours. It's get it done when you can policy. Get it done when you can. Um, get it done from wherever you can. You know. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, having you know, having it not be so rigid and um, and, and and structured has helped us. How difficult is it for pe- for you when you've had to let people go? Um, I think it's difficult for it's it's obviously difficult for me. Uh, we've we've had to let a, a couple people go, um, and I think that's that's that leads to the growth aspect for me, but also for for the company. I think. Um, we we're growing really fast. Our ambitions are growing, and frankly, like I, I put it on myself. I I I was I'm I'm growing as a leader, you know. I, I think I'm now coming into my own and understanding who is because it's never that you hire bad people that they're they're not great at the job. It's just not a good fit, right? You know? I always say it's just not a good fit. Like, and most of the times, well, that's what you have to it. say that. And do you find when I you, truly you have believe to be that. direct in those I, and I say right? that yeah. I say that like it's it's and I'm saying like I and I try to help them after and, and you know see where they could get a good fit. Um, but yeah, it's really really hard that I have to make that decision because everybody is really close, you know, and that leaves you know you gotta that leaves a mark. But at the end of the day, I try to you know let let the people on the team know that it's for the better of the company, it's for the betterment of 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 us as a unit and it's for the better of that better of that individual too that they can grow on and 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 get to doing what they would really strive at so and do people have equity in the in the company so it's funny you say that i'm working on that literally right now um where i want kind of like the howard schultz model uh i want everybody to be owners of the business right because then you'll find really nobody's going to question the friday yes nobody's going to question the friday if there's if there's 
if there's that kind of incentive. Yeah, everybody. Um, everybody from end to end, I want to, to, to have skin in the game. I know. It's a tough thing as the CEO because you kind of – you have a lot. Yeah. And you want others to share it. And it's but it's hard sometimes to instill in them that that that, that hunger if it's not there. Yeah, I think um, you know I think I mean there aren't a lot of companies that do it, but I think you try to pay people well and take care of them and yeah. hope if they're having fun at their jobs and there's already a level of motivation built in there. And, and then the people around them, I think everybody at the company says like this is the greatest you know group of people that I've ever worked with. Have you made a feature film? Working on it. Working on uh, it. Work, we, have a, we just did a short film that um, with one of our directors, Jesse, that I think is, is really incredible. And there's a feature script that we're going out with. But we're, I'm just launching the TV and film unit um, on its own, like as a separate brand, as a separate division. Um, is this one of those things where I love that the, one of my favorite scenes in Mad Men is when there's no TV department? I remember yeah. they, they to say that guy, they go to one guy, they go, Hank is the TV department. Right, right. And it's one That's, of those things where if you said TV department, it's like, well, you're great. you just assume, assume there's 20 people, right, but it's really right. just Hank. There's three people in the TV okay. department. Uh, so <laughs> I like that, though. I yeah. think you, you have to. You but have also, to. I think to, to make you know to make a, a feature documentary or feature film, it, it only takes one or two people yeah. to go out and sell it. And, and in the you, beginning, when yeah. there isn't that right precedent right it does right. start with, it starts with yeah. something um so really so you the, is your goal though when you you know lie in bed awake at night and stare at the ceiling mm-hmm. is it that it's movies and tv it's so for me madison and vine it's and this is something that if there's something that i struggle with on a day-to-day basis it's my it's my desire to have it all happen at once yes you know? um, yeah <laughs> i've I, i've learned that you just got to take your time you know, you, you, it takes time. Great, every great company that you and I could reference now have it's taken yeah, them. Thank God, though. ten to fifteen years to get. I think to- about that in my personal life. Yeah, because I, my fiance, like the idea of a baby. <laughs> I somebody told me I was really worried about that, and they said it's not like you, someone just hands you a baby. There's a whole thing that has to mm-hmm. take. But thank God for that. It's thank sort of, God but you can that. think of it, about it in the steps that way. Yeah. I need things to be coursed out. Yeah. Otherwise, life is pretty. Yeah. So uh, so, terrifying. My, so for me, it's um, you know it's it's wanting the the kind of advertising, marketing business, the music business, yes. the TV, film business. It's all of them flourishing at the same time, and independently doing what they do. But then there's so much synergies between the three of them. Right. For example, if you know, let's say American Express wanted to make a feature documentary on you know why we're not going towards another financial crisis, like. They they want to make movies like that, yeah. so you know they can partner up with our TV and film division and make a feature documentary. And so there's a lot of synergies. And so for me, I want to see all of those people and all those individuals and those companies working together, but also just being dominant in in their own individual fields. All right. Well, James. Yeah. It's been great to talk this to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Steve. Thanks so much. We'll yeah. uh, we'll talk to you soon, and we'll keep up with the company. And I have a text message from our producer, so I'll set you up. W- walk sure. us through uh, the phone call. When yeah. it's Elon Musk, what happened? Um, we, it was a, I think it was a four hundred eight, some some weird area code that I didn't recognize. But he says, "Hey, it's Elon," and I was like, "Elon," and my heart is pounding. I mean, just immediate. My heart is pounding so fast. My my hands are getting my hands are sweaty. And I was like, "Oh, hi, Elon. How are you?" And he's like, "Good. Uh, are you James Shine? Did you make? Are you the one who made the the Tesla ad?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I want to meet you," and I'm like, "There's no." This isn't real. Right. This isn't real. Somebody like what well, I have so many yeah. prankster friends. It's a prank. This isn't real. And I was like, really? Uh, what, when do you want to meet? He's like, I'll have my assistant schedule it um, and come out to Hawthorne. And I'm like, okay. He hangs up, and I'm just like, 
I was by myself uh, in our office, in, in, in my office, and I'm like just staring at the walls like, what just happened? And for me, all the stuff that had led up to that moment or that point in time, the, the growing up the way I did, the – you know, the, I, I didn't get into this, but I went to community college for four or five years. I went to three different. Oh, really? I went to three different okay. community colleges before USC. Before okay. USC, um, all of that stuff running through my head. Um, you know, people telling me. You know, people. There were so many naysayers, and so many people were yeah. like, you know, I was, you know, in in high school with a two point three GPA. My friends who were magnate and I were going to UCLA for med school. You know, all of those things of like, oh, you're you're not going to do anything in life. Like all that comes to 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 head, and you're like, holy shit! Like this is like. All the the things that I that I envisioned or that I that I envisioned happening, uh, it's it's kind of it's paid off a little. I mean, it's Elon Musk, you know. It, it's I had read his autobiography, and I was like, I was, in, I was I'm still fascinated by that guy. And um, so it was it was it was it was a really really great feeling to say the least. And and then when you meet the guy, it's you know that that I mean that takes it to all another level. You're in there, you see his whole operation, hangars. His, he had just flown it off his helicopter. And uh, you read all about him, and you know there's there's a sense of validation, and that was the, I mean that was the moment where I was like I'm onto something, and and you know if he's seeing it and seeing value in it, then I'm gonna keep going, and, and I'm gonna keep, and then and then it's how do you top that, <laughs> you know? Right. How do you top that? Don't forget that moment. Yeah, don't right? forget. Don't that. forget what put you in that room or what what got that phone call. Right. Right. So it was it was it was really special, and it meant a lot to to my mom. So I yeah. told her about it, and she she like cried. I, t- I took a photo. He had a he had, a, he had my name when we got to his office in Hawthorne. He he, he valet parks you at the front and he put your name there. SpaceX yeah, James. Right. I took a photo of that. I sent it to her. She freaked out. So, uh, thank you, Elon. If you ever listen to this, awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having All right. me. That was great. Yeah, man. That was fun. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Hi, guy. Yeah. Yeah, the team. Loveline, man. You guys remember us from back in the day? Well, we're doing a pod, and we're doing it every day. And we've been doing it for a while. And if you, if I hear one more time, people say, God, I loved you and Adam together on Loveline. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Will you please just join us at the Adam and Dr. Drew Show, please? AdamandDrewShow.com. It's a great show. Come on now. Only on Podcast One. That's us. Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Just like the old days. Doctor's orders. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man, you're funny. Yep. All right. Let's go save some babies. Let's do it. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fine hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. 
Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.